Hello, friends, and welcome to Into the Word, a radio and online program committed to reading, loving, and living the whole counsel of God. Lord willing, our intention is to go verse by verse and chapter by chapter through the entire Bible. Here to continue that journey is our Bible teacher at Into the Word, Pastor Paul Carter. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. If you have your Bible with you, I'd love you to open it now to Leviticus chapter 16. I mentioned in the first episode in the series that the structure of Leviticus is fairly straightforward. There are lots of very complicated things about Leviticus, but structure isn't one of them. There are basically two major sections organized around a central hinge. Chapters 1 to 15 deal with the various sacrifices and rituals associated with tabernacle worship. Then chapter 16 is the central hinge. It describes the regulations governing the annual Day of Atonement, which we'll get to in just a minute. And then chapters 17 to 27 emphasize ethics, morality, and holiness. So as I said, we've come to the structural and thematic center of the book of Leviticus. This is the hinge. And I think it would be fair to say that the Day of Atonement represents the climax of the Old Testament sacrificial system. Now, because the book of Leviticus is more a liturgical manual than a straight-up historical narrative, the arrangement is more thematic than chronological, and that tends to befuddle the first-time reader. Chronologically speaking, this story, the story of God speaking to Moses about what became known as the Day of Atonement, actually follows immediately after the death of Nadab and Abihu, recorded back in Leviticus 10, verse 20. We're told that in verse 1 of this chapter. So, if you were to arrange this material chronologically, chapter 16 would follow after chapter 10. But again, this material is arranged thematically. The theme here is cleansing the sanctuary from defilement, such as that caused by Nadab and Abihu. As we've said before, it is hard for sinful people to live with a holy God. That's one of the central tensions of this book. God offered a lesser deal to Moses in Exodus 33. He said, I'll send an angel to help you with your battles, but my presence I will not send because it's dangerous. If you try to hold on to your sin While you are holding on to me, you will be obliterated. But Moses said, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us, so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? Closed quote. That's Exodus 33, 15-16. We don't want to live without the presence of God, Moses says. We want to figure this out. We want to be a distinct people. We want to be known as the people of the Lord. All right, then. We're going to need to get a few things sorted out. And that is what Leviticus 16 is all about. The Day of Atonement is about dealing with defilement and setting out a process for very careful entry into the awesome and dangerous presence of the Lord. Gordon J. Wenham provides a succinct and scholarly summary of this passage. He says, The aim of these rituals is to make possible God's continued presence among his people. 
That's what this chapter and that's what the Day of Atonement is all about. So hear now the word of the Lord, beginning at verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they drew near before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother not to come at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat that is on the ark, so that he may not die. For I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. So obviously, at least part of the sin of Nadab and Abihu had to do with entering into the holy place at any time. They were unacceptably casual in their manner and approach. And that simply will not do. One doesn't saunter into the presence of the three times holy God. One doesn't enter whenever and however one chooses. God sets the limits and God establishes a process. And anyone who does not respect those limits and observe the established process will be obliterated. That's one of the things that we're supposed to be learning here. Verse 3. But in this way, Aaron shall come into the holy place with a bull from the herd for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen coat and shall have the linen undergarment on his body and he shall tie the linen sash around his waist and wear the linen turban. These are the holy garments. He shall bathe his body in water and then put them on. The emphasis here, obviously, is on careful, solemn preparation. Again, one doesn't just saunter into the Holy of Holies. If one is going to meet with God and stand before the mercy seat to intercede for the people, one must be thoroughly and properly prepared. So, the high priest would need to bathe, and he would need to dress in clean clothes. Note, however, that the clothes prescribed here are not the fancy, ornate robes of the ordination ceremony. Here, the high priest is directed simply to wear clean clothes, clean coat, clean undergarments, clean turban, etc. The emphasis is on purity, not ornateness. Aaron will also offer a sin offering and burnt offering on behalf of himself and his family. And then, and only then... Would he be ready to enter into the presence of God to make intercession for the people? Verse 5. And he shall take from the congregation of the people of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. Then he shall take the two goats and set them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron shall cast lots over the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for Azazel. And Aaron shall present the goat on which the lot fell for the Lord and use it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell for Azazel shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement over it, that it may be sent away into the wilderness to Azazel. All right, so having prepared himself, the high priest is ready now to do business with God on behalf of the people. He begins by sacrificing a bull on behalf of the priesthood. He then has two goats for a sin offering and one 
ram for a burnt offering on behalf of the congregation as a whole. The ritual with the two goats is the one that stands out to our eyes as somewhat unusual. First of all, he casts lots over them to see which one will be sacrificed and which will be used as the Azazel, or scapegoat. We'll talk about that in a minute. We assume the lots here refer to the Urim and Thummim that were used to determine the Lord's will. Then one goat was offered as a sin offering, and the other was designated Azazel and sent out into the wilderness. And of course, we wonder what in the world that is all about. The ESV simply leaves the Hebrew word untranslated because we aren't 100% sure what it means. It could mean dismissal. Some say it means precipice because in later times they would actually throw the goat off a cliff so that it didn't wander back into the camp and upset everybody. That is possible. But whatever the word means, the meaning of the symbol itself is fairly self-evident. R.K. Harrison says here, The purpose of this very dramatic portion of the Day of Atonement ritual was to place before the eyes of the Israelites an unmistakable token that their sins of inadvertence had been removed from their midst. Close quote. So God was using this dramatic event to teach the people of Israel that their great need was for the removal of their sins. Sin and God don't go together. That's a big problem because sin and people do go together. So there needs to be a process. There needs to be a way, a God-designed, God-satisfying way for sin to be cleansed and removed from the people. That's the big idea here, which helps us appreciate all the more the announcement made by John the Baptist to introduce the life and ministry of Jesus. In John 1.29, he points at Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Ultimately, the Day of Atonement is a giant conditioning ritual. It was God teaching the people of Israel to look to him for means of atonement and expiation. And they did, or at least some of them did. The psalmist certainly did. Psalm 103 verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Close quote. That's exactly right. The Day of Atonement was about God doing that in a provisional sense, and the cross of Jesus Christ is about God doing that in an ultimate sense. Thanks be to God. Verse 11. Aaron shall present the bull as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall kill the bull as a sin offering for himself, and he shall take a censer full of coals of fire from the altar before the Lord and two handfuls of sweet incense beaten small and he shall bring it inside the veil and put the incense on the fire before the Lord that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is over the testimony so that he does not die and he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the front of the mercy seat on the east side and in front of the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. Here we have the ritual description of what was summarized briefly back in verse 6. Remember, this is a liturgical manual. So detailed instructions needed to be preserved so that the ritual could be repeated year after year in the proper way. Aaron will sacrifice the bull for his house. And then he shall take a censer full of the coals from the altar, and he will take some incense, and he shall then go into the Holy of Holies. Once inside, 
He will put the incense on the coals, which will make a thick smoke, which will create a cloud that will shield him from direct sight of God and thus preserve his life. He shall then sprinkle the blood of the bull on the mercy seat, which was the covering lid of the Ark of the Covenant. He shall also sprinkle some blood into the air in front of the Ark. This is the only time in the entire liturgical year when the high priest would enter into this most sacred space. So obviously it was a very solemn and special occasion. Verse 15, Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people, and bring its blood inside the veil, and do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull, sprinkling it over the mercy seat and in front of the mercy seat. Here we notice that he would come in and out of the Holy of Holies. He comes out and kills the goat of the sin offering, which was for the people generally, and then he would go back inside with the blood to do the whole sprinkling ritual once again. So the people would be watching all of this. And no doubt there would be a certain level of tension and drama each time he went inside the sacred space. Verse 16, Thus he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the people of Israel and because of their transgressions, all their sins. And so he shall do for the tent of meeting, which dwells with them in the midst of their uncleanness. No one may be in the tent of meeting from the time he enters to make atonement in the holy place until he comes out and has made atonement for himself and for his house and for all the assembly of Israel. So here the idea is that the tabernacle complex had to be cleansed because of the very presence of ceremonially defiled Israelites camping all around it. Once again, this whole ritual is reminding us that it is hard for sinful people to live with a holy God. That's the background tension of the entire redemptive narrative, and people are being taught that, and the awareness of that is being ingrained in them through these various rituals. Notice also that he had to be entirely alone while doing this work. He had no attendance and no assistance. The high priest had to go first. He had to conclude his atoning work before anything else could be done by the people unto God. Likewise, Jesus, our great high priest, was uniquely alone when he did his unique atoning work. And all subsequent worship and service must be conducted on that basis and out of the purity and holiness that his work alone affects. Verse 18. Then he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it, and shall take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat and put it on the horns of the altar all around. And he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times, and cleanse it and consecrate it from the uncleanness of the people of Israel. It isn't entirely clear which altar is being referred to here. Some say it is the altar of incense inside the holy place described in Exodus 30, verse 10. But others say it is the altar of burnt offering at the entrance of the tent of meeting. I think the former option is slightly more preferable, but we needn't be too dogmatic here. The point is that he is moving from the center outward. And as we mentioned, that is the movement of all true biblical religion, Old Testament and New. We start with the heart, we start with the inner person, and we work out from there. 
as Jesus said, you blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean, Matthew 23, verse 26. So we're moving from inside out. That's the main idea here in this part of the ritual. Verse 20. And when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place and the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall present the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgressions, all their sins. And he shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness. The goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote area, and he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness. All right, so after the high priest has finished making atonement for the holy place and tabernacle complex generally, he brings the live goat to some place in the outer courtyard, and he places his hands on the head of the goat and confesses over it all the sins of the people of Israel. And this act, of course, symbolizes transfer and substitution. The importance of this ought to be obvious. Here, God is teaching his people that within his system of justice, it is possible to transfer sins to a substitute. Not just any substitute. The substitute had to meet certain criteria, but it is possible. So Aaron transfers through confession and faith the sins of the people to the head of the substitute. And then the substitute takes the sin away. He is led by a member of the community out of the camp into the wasteland. Andrew Bonner says here, Wrath against these confessed sins will now alight in the desert, not upon them. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all is their song. Close quote. Amen. That is the heart of the heart of the heart of all biblical faith, Old Testament and new. Thanks be to God. Verse 23. Then Aaron shall come into the tent of meeting and shall take off the linen garments that he put on when he went into the holy place and shall leave them there. And he shall bathe his body in water in a holy place and put on his garments and come out and offer his burnt offering and the burnt offering of the people, and make atonement for himself and for the people. And the fat of the sin offering he shall burn on the altar. And he who lets the goat go to Azazel shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and afterward he may come into the camp. And the bull for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering, whose blood was brought in to make atonement in the holy place, shall be carried outside the camp. Their skin and their flesh and their dung shall be burned up with fire. And he who burns them shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and afterward he may come into the camp. Here we have some instructions for those who participated in this traumatic ritual. Aaron is to bathe and change his clothes. He will put on his regular priestly uniform and conduct the burnt offering for himself and for the people. The person who took the live goat out into the wilderness will have become unclean by nature of having contact with the substitute carrying the sins of the people. So he will need to bathe and wash his clothes before re-entering. And then the person who carried out the carcass of the bull and goat, he too shall need to wash and bathe and then afterward may come back into the camp. Verse 29. 
and it shall be a statute to you forever that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict yourselves and shall do no work, either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you. For on this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean before the Lord for all your sins. It is a Sabbath of solemn rest to you. And you shall afflict yourselves. It is a statute forever. And the priest who is anointed and consecrated as priest in his father's place shall make atonement wearing the holy linen garments. He shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary. And he shall make atonement for the tent of meeting and for the altar. And he shall make atonement for the priests and for all the people of the assembly. And this shall be a statute forever for you, that atonement may be made for the people of Israel once in the year because of all their sins. And Aaron did as the Lord commanded Moses. These closing verses provide both a summary of the ritual and the necessary preparations for everyone intending to participate. This is the only ceremony in the Old Testament that required preparation by means of self-affliction. We assume that to mean fasting, though it may also have involved wearing sackcloth and ashes. So obviously this was a special day. It was the point of greatest gravity in the Old Testament ceremonial system. And therefore we're not surprised that so much of the imagery and symbolism of this special day was taken up wholesale and applied to the person and work of Jesus Christ. So much of what Jesus did was interpreted through the lens of the story. He is the substitute. He is the high priest. He is the one who removes our sins far from us. And he is the one who enables us finally, freely, boldly, and eternally to enter again into the very presence of God. What Adam lost and what Aaron foreshadowed, Jesus has made our reality. Thanks be to God. Thank you, friends, for listening to another episode of Into the Word. If you're interested in additional resources or previous episodes and series, you can find those at intotheword.ca. You can also connect with Pastor Paul and other Bible readers on the Into the Word Facebook page. Just type Into the Word into the search bar. If you'd like to contribute to this listener-supported program, go to the website and click the Give bar in the top right corner. Once again, that's intotheword.ca. We hope to see you again real soon right here for another episode of Into the Word. Thank you.